Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Heather, do you know what movie came out this past weekend? Barbie. Barbie! Barbie. Starring Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie as Ken and Barbie. Do you know the premise of the movie? Uh, A little bit. Yes, yeah, so, she's going to the real world to figure out life or something. Yes, so apparently she gets depressed and she's told in Barbie Land that whatever the owner of her doll feels like gets transferred over to her. And so she leaves Barbie Land to go to the real world. And Barbie Land is this land of perfection. And, you know, it's funny because apparently, I mean, I've not seen the movie, so these are just things I've read online her you know how barbie's feet are perfectly made to fit mm-hmm. into high heels like her feet go flat yeah. and all these things so she's living in this land this barbie land of perfection and it kind of segues to our topic today of living up to a standard that we we feel like sometimes we can't meet one passage we've always kind of wondered about is the Proverbs 31 woman and the way Christian culture kind of upholds that is the ideal for womanhood and what it means to be a Christian woman and that you should aspire to be like that woman. We just wanted to talk through what that chapter means as a whole and how to apply that to our lives as modern day Christian women. And even if you're not a woman, if you're a man listening to this, we're Glad you're listening to us, and this might be helpful for women in your lives. And then, you know, if you're looking for a wife, do we put too much importance on Proverbs 31 woman, on that woman as being the ideal standard, and then whoever you marry has to meet all of those things literally? Or is it okay if we're taking out general characteristics of that chapter and making sure that as women or as a man looking for a woman or as a man raising women, how are we applying this and what's what's the right way to do it? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Our one single thought, we are going to borrow from a line from a DC talk song from the early 90s, mm-hmm. which was that kind of girl. And there's a line in there that says, a woman who fears the Lord, she ain't playing. So our one single thought today is she ain't playing. She ain't playing. <laughs> Rose, can you set up the beginning of Proverbs 31 just to get us into the chapter? Yes. The first nine verses of this chapter contain a a wisdom that was given to a king named Lemuel as spoken by his mother. So as Heather mentioned earlier, if you're a man listening to this episode, I mean, this, this passage, this poem, as we'll look at it, was actually written to men. It was it was written to this King Lemuel because he wrote it as spoken to him by his mother. There is some diverse ideas on who people think that King Lemuel was. Some people believe that it was another name for Solomon. It was a pet name that his mother used for him. And we all know that his mother was Bathsheba, the wife of, of King David. And I always like to think if this is the person that wrote it, and if it mm-hmm. was Solomon writing about his own mother's advisement on finding a woman. I just find it fascinating if that is true because we know 
Bathsheba and how she became King David's wife. We know the lust in David's eyes for her and, and got her pregnant and then killed her husband and all of that. And, you know, it's interesting that as we, we look at these characteristics here in a moment, that Bathsheba was really teaching if this was the case, was really trying to teach Solomon what sort of woman he should look for. Now, another theory is that Lemuel is actually King Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. So that's another theory. The third theory is that Lemuel and his mother are really just fictional characters that Solomon created as a picture of an ideal king and queen mother. So we don't really know really the basis of who was the author here or what the actual background and history is but what we do know is that this is part of the book of proverbs that teaches us things that we know they're not promises but they're possibilities probabilities so lemuel's mother whoever that may be fictional or otherwise searches for the right words for her son and then she delivers some key advice and we see in the first nine verses that she gives him warnings about the destructive dangers of adultery which if this was Bathsheba, she had firsthand experience with that. And the destructive dangers of intoxication. And tells him that a king who deals in these risks of destruction will become a failure as a leader. And instead, his focus needs to be on lending his abilities to those who are weak and prepare himself for finding the right woman. And so we're going to look at the rest of the chapter. And verses 10 through 31 are the verses that focus mainly on what type of woman that a king or a man should look for. So Heather, why don't you read that passage and explain to us the structure of that passage? Okay, so this is Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 31, and this is the Christian Standard Bible. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates the field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good, and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff, and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates, where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments and delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. That is chapter 31 verses 10 through 31. And this is a poem and it is an acrostic and it's also a a chiasmus 
which if you don't know what that is, I highly suggest you Google it because it'll make more sense if you can actually see what I'm talking about or read it yourself. So I'm gonna do my best to explain it. This is a structure in the poem where the words or the themes in the first half of the poem are parallel to the second half of the poem when that second half flows backwards. So if you diagram that out, it will look kind of like an arrowhead. So you have verse 10 runs parallel to verse 31 and then it kind of moves inward into the point, the center of the poem is verse 23. So all that comes to verse 23 and then it, when you get to verse 24 it starts going back out and it runs parallel to the other verses. So it's kind of hard to explain verbally so if you just want to go out and to search for it. If you don't know what a chiasmus is, take I'll, a look at it. I'll put a link in the show notes to mm -hmm. a picture of what we're talking about because I think visually it helps to see how the how this works mm -hmm. as, as Heather described it. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned, this is also an acrostic according to the Hebrew alphabet. So each theme begins with the a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's an acrostic and it, it moves according to the chiasmus. So there is a very poetic structure here. And it's hard, kind of hard to see it in English, but in Hebrew it makes a lot of sense. So as we discuss this, instead of going through this passage verse by verse, which would take a very long time um, in the short amount of time we have to, in the, to do this episode, we're just going to pull out some verses from this chapter while looking at them in context, uh, just to understand the meaning of those verses and how can those apply to us now, whatever your station in life is, whoever you are. Let's look at the characteristics we're seeing in this passage and how it relates to women in the real world. All right, so Rose, the opening verse here, we'll just look at this one, describes a wife's worth as far above rubies or jewels. What is significant about that description? So if we look at the, the verse that Heather read from the Christian Standard Version, it says she's far more precious than jewels. It starts off, who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. In other translations, it says rubies. And so if we look at, at that part, the second part of the verse, who can find a wife of noble character? And we're comparing that noble character to the description of being far more precious than jewels or far more precious than rubies. If we look at a study on just rubies as a precious gem, we know that the Old Testament high priests wore rubies as part of their rabbinical robes. They wore many jewels, but rubies were one of them. And even more interesting, there were rubies that were part of the architecture of Solomon's temple, where we, where the, the Israelites worshipped the Lord. But I think even more interesting is that rubies are not the easiest jewels to mine. So when you, you go to mine for, for rubies, you're not going to find them on the first level of deposit. You usually have to dig into the secondary level, which what that means in layman's terms is you've just got to dig deeper to find the rubies. The rubies mm -hmm. aren't going to be like a pearl where you just pop open an oyster and, oh, there's a pearl. You actually have to mine for rubies. And it's very primitive manual labor to uncover a ruby. So when we talk about who can find a wife of noble character, we're talking about someone who is a rare find, someone who is a, a, a find that is precious because you have to work hard to, to get to that person. And that person is a cherished jewel because she has a noble character. So we want to look, as we explore more of the themes in this passage, 
this isn't a prescriptive scripture that this is everyone has to live up to everything in this passage. Because honestly, I don't think anyone could live up to everything that is yeah. listed here. Literally. Literally, yeah, yeah. that's correct. But it gives us a guideline and a model of what we should strive for. And I believe that starting off in verse 10, we're talking about a wife of noble character. And the different things we're going to talk about, they're all going to relate to a characteristic that presents a woman in a noble and honoring light. So Heather, if we look down further in the passage, it talks about her children being well clothed in scarlet, and it also talks about he, how she is clothed in strength and dignity. How does that relate to us today? How does clothing your children well, being clothed in dignity, what, what does that have to do with how we should be today as a, as a godly woman? Well, so it talks about her family, her children being clothed um, in fine scarlet, depending on your translation. So fine scarlet or fine linen. She is making sure her kids are clothed well, so they look good, <laughs> they're clean. But it, it's a testament to her hardworking, industrious nature. So she works hard. If you read other verses, it talks about how she works to spin clothing, to spin fabrics. And she makes sure that her family is taken care of in terms of clothing and they're a good representation out in public. So thinking about that today, not all of us have kids and not all, not all of us are married or maybe not all of us will be married. And so what does that mean for us? So if you do have kids, you might not have the money to go out and buy designer clothes for your kids, which that's not what this is telling you that a perfect woman is going to be able to go out and buy designer clothes for her kids and you should that means you should be buying Gucci baby clothes and all of that <laughs> <laughs> but what this is saying is that her kids are clothed in in good clean clothes they're, they don't have holes in them now maybe you you're, don't have the finances to buy new clothes for your children and they're getting kind of holy and ragged that's one thing, but if you're able to do it, that means you're, you're taking care of your kids and making sure they've got what they need. For herself, and there's a metaphor there talking about her being clothed in strength and dignity, depending on the translation you're reading. That's talking about her character. So we see a reflection of that in the New Testament in First Peter chapter 3, where he says, Don't let your adorning be outward, where you're braiding your hair and putting on gold jewelry and all these fine clothing but let the adornment be inward, your, your beauty that comes from, from inside. That kind of helps us understand what this is saying in Proverbs 31, that this woman, she does work hard to, to physically clothe her family to make them look good to the <laughs> public. But the more important thing is how do you appear? And it says that she clothes herself in fine linen and purple, but the more important thing is that she is clothed in strength and dignity that that is the inward virtues that are the most important there. And we see that as you go through the chapter that she speaks with wisdom, these characteristics of watching over her family, watching over the poor, all of that is coming out. That is the most beautiful thing there. And then verse 30, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but I'm talking about a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. All of the other stuff is fleeting. So Heather, I, you know, it's funny when you talk about clothing, clothing their family, and, you know, I mean, I, I look at my mom. Now my dad was, he was very good with fashion, 
My mom never, like, helped him figure out what to wear. He always... In fact, a lot of times he would find out what she's wearing and he would try to matchy-matchy with her. But I know a lot of men... I mean, Dr. Cook will tell you, he said from the pulpit, that Jalen helps him with his clothes. Yeah. I mean, his eyesight's not great, so she helps him pick out the right things. And there's a lot of women in my life I know that, you know, they tell their husband, well, you need to wear this or that or whatever. But I just think about that passage and about how she, because it's mentioned often throughout this passage about her caring for her family. And so she cares for them in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is making sure that her children are clothed well Mm-hmm. and her husband is is clothed well, that she is even clothed well. So, again, and I don't think it means, like you said, expensive clothes. It means that she cares for them, ensuring that they have what they need to be properly mm-hmm. clothed. Presentable. Presentable, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of, it kind of implies that her role is to make sure everybody leaves the house looking put together. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good calling. That's a that's a good characteristic that you care about. Yeah. And I don't think it's, if you haven't reached that goal, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If you, if you think that's where we have to be careful with Proverbs 31 woman is because, you know, if you say, well, I've got three little kids, Mm -hmm. I can't keep them clean five minutes. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing good if their socks match, you know, (laughs) right. And so I think we need to be careful that we're not looking at this description here that, okay, this woman in Proverbs 31, she is making sure her family's well-dressed. Well, that's a good goal, but it's not a sin if you don't reach reach that. And I think we have to be very careful. Maybe you aspire to make sure your kids' socks match, but... Right, yes. The thing is, is that it's the what's behind that. So she, she really does have concern over her family's welfare yeah. and clothing. And if her husband had a status in the, in the city, which he did in this, according to this passage, she would want to make sure that her family's well represented to, to the public. Mm-hmm. And so we have to keep that in mind. And so when we're talking about this, not being a prescriptive passage, we need to, to make sure that we're not holding ourselves or holding other people to an impossible standard when Life may not be allowing you that right now. Uh, absolutely. Rose, do you think that this Proverbs 31 woman is fearless? So I'm going to look at a couple of verses. One is verse 21, and it says at the beginning, she is not afraid for her household when it snows. And then if we go down to verse 25, and this sort of relates to the, the poetic structure here. We talk about strength and honor, which we just talked about, or her clothing. The second part of verse 25 says, and she can laugh at the time to come. Mm. So I think these two verses sort of indicate that this Proverbs 31 woman doesn't have the fear that encompasses her, whether that means there is snow coming or whether that means I don't know what the future holds. So I think what we can take away from that is that she trusts, her trust is in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Being a woman of, I think she probably, from from the way this description explains her character, that she fears the Lord and she trusts the Lord. And because of the trusting in the Lord, you know, if we truly mm-hmm. trust the Lord with all our being, and we, you know, we had an episode on, on that passage earlier in Proverbs, 
if we trust in the Lord, I mean, to, really we can be somewhat fearless because if we know that the Lord is in control and taking care of our future, we don't have to fear and be afraid that we can trust in Him. And so I think the couple of references to that indicate that she is a, a woman who doesn't allow fear to consume her. Mm-hmm. And I think today, as 21st century women, we can easily be worried and ang- and anxious about the future. We can be worried and anxious. I mean, if it's going to snow, yeah. I get worried. Yeah. I, I, I get anxious because... Well, right now I don't because I'm not out driving in it. But a day comes when I'm back to driving and I've got to get out in a snow day, snowy day. I'm not going to be looking forward to that. But if we sit and really think about our futures, we don't know what's going to happen. We can allow it to consume us. But I think the way that this passage presents it, that it starts in verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing and she can laugh at the time to come, that she is clothed in that strength and in that dignity and in that honor and her trust in the Lord allows her not to fear for the future. That's definitely a characteristic that we can strive for, but I don't know about you, Heather, but I would say for me, I don't always have that characteristic. I, you know, I often can be very fearful. Heather is one that can talk me down off the ledge when I freak out. It goes both ways. And it goes both ways and I help her off the ledge but sometimes it just takes one little thing and I'm just like Mm -hmm. whoa Heather you know what's Mm -hmm. going on and and so this picture of this Proverbs 31 woman is an example of a woman who who is has a calm and trusting demeanor that she can trust in her Lord knowing that she doesn't need to fear the future and I think that's a characteristic I want to strive for because I don't think I'm very true to that characteristic in many occasions so Heather In verse 20, it indicates that she cares for those in need, and she's Mm -hmm. compassionate to those who have needs. What are ways that we can emulate this characteristic? How do we apply that to our lives? Well, having a generous spirit and a concern for the poor, that's fundamental to wisdom literature. Some other proverbs that mention generosity and, and caring for the less fortunate so one is Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Proverbs twenty one thirteen. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. And Proverbs 22, verse 9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share the, their food with the poor. And that's just tip of it there's so many verses in scripture we are all familiar with about caring for orphans and widows making sure that their needs are met Mm -hmm. so that's all throughout the bible and here in verse 20 of proverbs 31 it says she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy and that diagram we're talking about that chiastic structure there this poem that runs parallel verse 20 runs parallel to verse 26 saying that she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue so that runs parallel to verse 20 um, opening her arms to the poor the way she treats the poor treats the less fortunate that's an outflowing of her wisdom Mm. that's what the way we can understand that for us today 
not turning a blind eye. So just looking at scripture directly and what it says, you don't turn a blind eye to people who are in need, especially when you're able to help them. If you got some way you can help and you have the resources to do it, jump in and do it. Go, don't go along your merry way. And of course we don't have, you know, we're not super billionaires. We can't solve world hunger and, mm-hmm. and all that, right, but right. Um, look around you, the people that could use your assistance and and jump in where you can and that's a very simple way to to apply that and I don't think I mean looking at that verse I don't think it's uh too much it's it of course it's not a you know as we said this is not prescriptive although I think this particular verse does reflect on what how Christ expects us to act towards other people so that's something we need to when we read this passage is there's some things in here that are very high standards, but then also remembering there are some things that God does want us to do and be obedient. So he wants us to extend mercy to those who are needing help or needing assistance in whatever way that looks like for you. But we can take that lesson from her. And so I guess the extreme of that is like, okay, so looking at the Proverbs 31 woman, I've got to make food for my family and clothe them in scarlet and um, get up early in the morning and spin cloth and make bread and all of this. And then I've got to go out and take care of all the hungry people and <laughs> shelter the homeless and all of that. So that's when you're going a little bit extreme and putting way too much on yourself. So what in your capacity can you can you do to be obedient to God in that? And so that's what we should take out of that. Do you think, Heather, verse, when, I, when you read verse 20, I mean, do you think that parallels some to the Good Samaritan parable that Jesus shared? It seems to. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like the Good Samaritan was saving the world and everybody mm-hmm. that was hungry or in need, but he was reaching his hand out to the person that was in need in the moment where he was. Basically, when you see a need and you can help with that need, mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the Lord would want us to do. Yeah. Well, another characteristic that we see throughout this whole chapter is that she's a hard worker. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like the entire theme of this chapter almost. Second to her noble, her godly character. So how does that translate to us today? So we kind of just talked about it, but what does it mean to be a hard worker? Um, to meet that expectation of being a hard worker? If we look in verses 13 through 19, that whole section talks about her industrious spirit and how she works hard and we see her her business acumen displayed inside and outside the home so it talks about how she rises while it's still night provides food for a household but then in verse 14 she Mm -hmm. brings the food she's like a merchant ship that brings her food from far away she plants a vineyard with her earnings she evaluates a field and buys it so we see and then in verse 18, she sees that her profits are good. Her lamp never goes out at night. I mean, this is like the CEO of a, a major corporation who also is raising a family of six. I mean, that's what it feels mm-hmm. like when you read that section. So we see that she has these characteristics. And I think one of the things that we can take away from this is that we see some of this passage looks like what to be what people might call, quote unquote, man's work in this day and age of Mm -hmm. when this was written, that she buys a field, plants a vineyard, does those things that 
you know, typically we might see in scripture men doing only. Mm. So I, I don't think that she, sh- you know, we should be poo-pooed for the fact that we're doing what's considered a man's job. Mm-hmm. So I think what's interesting about this for us today is that it tells us that you can, I mean, it talks a lot about working in the home, but this is a good passage to help us see that not, that women's work is not always only in the home. Right. It can be outside of the home. And so, you know, many women, I think when they read this passage or anybody reads this passage, men and women, they read it and they just think, well, this is a woman that's at home all the time and she's taking care of the kids while the husband is out in his high ranking job. But that's not what this implies with some of the things that it describes that she does. So I think for women today, I mean, we need to understand that it's great and perfect and wonderful for you to have a a position and a job where you are running a business or being a, a businesswoman, that there's nothing wrong with that, that this is not telling you that that's not what a woman of noble character does. And I think that's encouraging, especially to women who may have children at home and work outside the home and may have some guilt at times for not being Mm -hmm. able to be at home. And I think it's also good for those of us that don't have children to show that we we can, you know, we can contribute to the well-being of not only our home, but the well-being of the community by serving in, in various ways. Obviously, she was good at it. Mm-hmm. Because she had, she bought this field or bought a, she planted a vineyard with her earning and she was making a profit. Verse 18 says she sees that her profits are good. You know, she was not only a businesswoman outside the home, mm-hmm. but she was smart about it. Heather, we see also in these verses that her husband and her children praise her. And I think just what little we've talked about in all the various characteristics, we can understand why. But how how is that important and how does that relate to us today? These are the traits we see in verses 11 through 12 and 28 through 9 in Proverbs 31. Society de-emphasizes that importance of being a wife and mother, but we look at this passage and it's exhibiting this high praise of being a wife and mother, that calling. If we look at this whole chapter, we see how hard she works, as you were saying, how mm-hmm. hard she works to support her family, um, to make sure her husband is respected, that she represents him well. Um, he has lots of good things to say about her and her children do also. And so it's just expressing that this woman is in how she conducts herself every day no matter what she's doing she is a good reflection on her husband and on her children that they appreciate her and love her and praise her for just how how dedicated she is to providing for them but also just for being a godly woman how that would apply for us today uh, if you are married with a family However you conduct yourself, maybe you don't have a, a your own business, which is completely fine. I don't think you were mandated, um, if you're a stay-at-home mom, to have your own business on the side like this woman does. But It probably wasn't an LMN. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt Proverbs uh, 31. MLM. Uh, uh, yeah, multi-level marketing <laughs> business. I doubt the Proverbs 31 woman had a, market, a multi-level a marketing order. business. Yeah, Mary Kay. She sold Mary Kay on the yeah, side. She- <laughs> no, but... However, we, you conduct yourself throughout the day in public. How do you represent your family? Do other people speak well of you? And no, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a high position. But 
are you, um, do other people look at you and say, you know what, that's a good godly woman. And I have no doubt how she treats her family at home because I can see how she, she's interacting with the outside world. But then her family is also seeing that and seeing, okay, this is a godly mother we have. I'm thankful for her. And then speaking good back to her and the husband that respects her and expresses love and appreciation for her. So um, that's all a testament to her character. And so as women today, even if you're not married, how are you conducting yourself to the outside world? Is that a reflection of who you are for real? Can people speak highly of you? You know, Heather, when my mom passed away, this was the passage that Jeff Eliff, our associate pastor, preached for her sermon, for her funeral. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because today I did a, an interview for a future podcast, which will come out later and I'll share it with the with the audience. But one of the questions she asked me was, where did you get the foundation to stay? She asked about my childhood and then my high school and college years. And I was really kind of a boring kid. Like I didn't get into trouble. And But she talked about like how I came to faith at a young age. And she said what do you attribute that to? And I said, you know, my mother and my father just Mm -hmm. set forth a godly example for me. And she did really emphasize to the audience about how your children are watching you. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really thought about it. And as you were talking, it made me think of, you know, my dad was not a believer when they got married and my mom couldn't drive at first. She learned to drive later. And she would walk to church. They lived close to Ninth and O, which is where she went. And it wasn't long after that he finally accepted Christ. Mm. But so my dad watched her, and then they set an example for me as as a husband and wife and a mother and father. And to what you said earlier, my mom had no... She was not in a, a job outside the home. I mean, she yeah. did work for a while outside the home before I was born, but... She wasn't of anyone that, you know, would be looked at as some high-level person. But she was a godly woman and a godly Mm -hmm. wife and a godly mother. Well, we also see that the Proverbs woman, as we've mentioned, she dresses well. So she looks like she was a master seamstress making her own fabric. Can we apply that to ourselves today in any way? So verse uh, 24 says she makes and sells linen garments. There's another business mm-hmm. opportunity there. She delivers belts to the merchants. And so it does. It mentions that she makes things. She sells things. Um, it talks a lot in this passage about clothing and dressing and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it talks, you know, when you talk about dressing well and decorating your home and making sure, you know, cause it talks about her bed coverings and, and all of those things. I don't think we look. We should look at that as being frivolous. That you know, well, who cares? Now, I'm not gifted in home decoration at all, and nor my master seamstress. My granny was. She made a living as I a seamstress. I could sew on a button. Hey, I can do that <laughs> as well. But she was. She did things so well because she made a profit, and that's that's pretty huge. But I think when we look at those verses, I think we just have to take those verses and kind of put it back to what we talked about earlier about working hard. Mm -hmm. So you may not be a crafty person, a seamstress, or someone who can whip out something and, you know, whip together a meal in five minutes from whatever you have in your pantry, whatever that is. But I think that we could take away from this passage that she's resourceful and she 
takes care of her family, and she works hard. Mm. And I think there's examples here of how she does that, but I don't think these examples necessarily have to be exactly what we do. I'm not going out to buy a field or plant a vineyard, but what she did is she saw her situation and she made sure, number one, she was taking care of her family, that she stayed busy and made sure that things were taken care of, and she was compassionate to others, and she made sure that her home was in order and her household mm-hmm. was in order. And that looks different for everybody. You know, you mentioned earlier, I mean, I know people who have six kids. Their house isn't going to look the same as if they had no children or they had two children. And that's okay because are they caring for their family? Are they making sure their children are well-fed and and clothed? Mm -hmm. Are they showing compassion to other people? Are they loving the Lord by serving Him? And, and we love the Lord by serving our families if we're, if we're a wife or a mother. But I don't think it necessarily means that we have to be able to whip out the singer sewing machine yeah. and, and make all of our bed coverings and all of our clothes. I think what it means is we work hard, we take care of our family, and we're compassionate to others. Mm-hmm. So Heather, how does Proverbs 31 end? What, what's the final lesson teach us? Well, I'll just read the last two verses here. So verse 30 and 31 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So what we can see here, the queen mother, of the mother of Lemuel, King Lemuel, is telling her son that charm and beauty, they're going to go away because, you know, when you're a young woman, you're, you're beautiful and charming and maybe charm is that can even be deceitful because you may not really mean it but that stuff is fleeting um it's not necessarily bad they're, they're going to be temporary in some sense mm-hmm. and they're not a good reason to marry someone and so the most important thing is in this context of the the mother advising her son that you should seek a woman marry a woman who fears the lord and that she is demonstrating that in all of her activities and the way she conducts herself. And so that would be, um, I think you would agree with me that, you know, if we can give any advice to young men who are young Christian men or who are looking for a wife and you look at Proverbs 31 and you're like, okay, I'm going to find a woman who meets all this, these characteristics. Make sure you're looking at that with uh, the proper lens and not expecting a godly woman who may be right in front of you Mm -hmm. to meet every single literally every single characteristic on that list okay oh she's she's an entrepreneur and she's she makes all her own food and she's (laughs) willing to make clothes for her children and she's going to uh go out and and sell garments and and all this stuff like that so be careful not to take that over the top to literally to a T, but do look at those underlying characteristics there of what, what's being demonstrated in this passage. And that's the kind of person you should be looking for. Is she godly? And, and one of the commentaries we read preparing for this, it talks about how chapter 31 actually kind of runs parallel to the beginning of Proverbs, um, in the earliest chapters when it's talking about lady wisdom Mm, mm -hmm. and then the the sinful woman, the the, the crafty harlot, that's what her name is. Yes. The, the crafty the harlot in verse chapter seven. <laughs> <laughs> but the, this is a contrast. So at the beginning, you see the king warning his son to stay away from 
bad situations to avoid um, temptation, sexual temptation and the downfall that that would bring to you. Fast forward to the end of Proverbs and you see the mother of the king laying out what kind of person you should be looking for in a wife. And, and not only, um, so that that's the message to a young man, but then for us as women that we're looking at this and like, okay, you know what? I may not be able to go out and spin my own flax. Um, I don't, I've never, I think I might sat in a loom at like some colonial village or something, <laughs> but I've never spun anything. Um, I've always wanted to. Oh yeah. I've always wanted to be able to, to spin my own wool. <laughs> that was something I loved as a kid. Lots of people we, do that. We may not be spinning our own wool, but <laughs> is your character consistent with the way God, what God expects of you as a godly woman? Another way to understand this chapter is to read it in context with the rest of scripture. For example, what we did with First Peter 3, talking about how the outward appearance is not what's most important. The most important is what's in your heart and has Christ changed your heart? Are you living for him? So a woman who fears the Lord, just remember, she ain't playing. She's the one you're looking for. That's right. She ain't playing. Mm-hmm. She fears the Lord. Okay, Rose. What is your one random thought? My one random thought today is, Can't buy me love. Can't buy me love. So it's an old Beatles song, for those that might not recognize it, with my terrible thinking. But So 27% of online daters pay $51 or more on dating websites and apps. Wow. So people are trying to buy love. They're they are. paying a lot of money to try to find love. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say that mm, you're not going to find many Proverbs 31 women on those <laughs> dating websites and apps. But just saying. You might. You might. I'm, listen, they're, they're a precious gem. They're hard to find, but they might be out there. So Heather, what's our one Ricky thought? Pardon me, would you have any gray poupon? <laughs> So if you don't know that commercial, if you're too young, just look it up on YouTube, Grey, Grey Poupon commercial, and you will find it. I'll try to find it and link it on the show notes <laughs> for those youngsters that might not know what it is. Yeah, so it's just these two rich guys who pull up next to each other in their limousines, and they're eating their their lunch, and one asks the other for mustard. That's basically mm-hmm. the whole thing. But the reason I'm doing that is because I was trying to think of a good Ricky thought. I have all, all kinds of Ricky thoughts to share (laughs) but i'll just share one little quirk he does he likes to tap me on the shoulder (laughs) when he wants my attention (laughs) that is so funny so he like climbs up and literally taps you on your shoulder yeah if i'm sitting in a chair so he'll reach up and and tap me oh my gosh that's so funny but it's always accompanied with the. (laughs) (laughs) well anyway yesterday morning in one of his attempts to wake me up as he usually does he tapped me on the shoulder. I was laying down and he was sitting next to me, sitting next to my shoulder. And he, he tapped me with his paw on my shoulder a couple of times. And mm-hmm. goes, <laughs> <laughs> it really just made me laugh because like, well, thank you for that polite wake up there. I mean, usually you're jumping on my head like he was doing this morning, but oh, nice. yeah, but yesterday he politely tapped me on the shoulder and said, pardon me, would you mind getting up and getting me some breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) 
I wish he's he was very polite. He was well yesterday. He was yes, yes. not yes. not normally. Okay, what is your one single question? So my one single question today is, what is something useful your mother and or grandmother passed down to you? So Mama, hello yeah. Mama Jane, and we know you're listening. She's listening. Hello, Mama. And she says, don't cry over anything that can't cry over you. I love that. And she that. got that from another lady. But the first time I remember hearing that from her was when I lost a necklace charm. And I was a teenager and I lost my sweet 16 necklace. And she said that to me. And I was really upset. <laughs> but it's very <laughs> true. I mean, anything that inanimate objects that will ultimately meet their demise and have no soul that you should not be crying over them mm -hmm. although i mean if you lost your house in a tornado for example yeah. you can cry over that yes but you have to learn how to move on and i think it's more about those silly things in our lives or possessions that we mm -hmm. tend to to freak out over and there's no use crying over it so say you you drop a expensive vase or something like that <laughs> crying over it's not gonna to fix it so it's not gonna put the pieces yeah. back together that's a good way to keep you grounded mm -hmm. do you have anything oh goodness so i feel like i have a lot i don't know that i have a cool saying like that and my mom always used to say you can attract more bees with honey than vinegar to tell mm -hmm. me it's better to be nice to people than to be snarky with people. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that she passed down to me, and I'll be honest, I don't, did not always follow this, but after we, we had a really serious car accident when I was in second grade, and my dad and I walked away with uh, scrapes and bruises, but she, her pelvic bone was broken in five places and she was in the hospital for a long time and rehabbed for a long time. But before that, she always did, had a very strict, not strict, but a very routine schedule. Monday was wash day, Tuesday was ironing, Wednesday was cleaning, Thursday was whatever. She had one day to go to the grocery store. Every day she had specific things to do. And when that accident happened, she told me more than once that she learned that if it doesn't get done, it's not going to matter. Yeah. And that's a really good lesson, especially for me now, as I'm adjusting to being an APT. There are just days that I don't do everything that I need to do because it's taken me twice as long to get ready in the morning. Or I'm trying to walk around the house more, which takes a lot of time. Or I'm trying to make my meals on my walker which takes forever and so that cuts into other things but she taught me that and I've always th thought back on that of how from then on she never had that strict of a schedule and that really taught her that lesson and mm. she passed down a whole lot of things to me but that was what came mm -hmm. to mind first well that wraps up our episode today and we will be back in two weeks on August 8th so until next time don't follow your heart follow God we hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 